Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. On this episode of Sound Reasoning, I wanted to discuss the issue of Christian ethics. Issue of Christian ethics. So in other words, uh, Christian ethics is different than worldly ethics. The way that we function and operate as Christians is very different than the way the world operates. The rules that we use to govern our behavior is totally different or should be totally different than the way that non-believers do things and govern their behavior. So the non-Christian view of ethics, if we may deal with that first, what does a non-Christian view of ethics look like? Well, one of the aspects of those that are not following Christian principles or uh, governing their behavior by biblical principles is this uh, aspect called might is right. Might is right. So in this view, what is right is determined by the stronger party. So depending on what group or organization uh, it's the strongest, their view supposedly is supposed to be right because they're the stronger party. They're the one that has power to pass legislation. They're the ones uh, that have the majority vote. So if they say this is right, then we're supposed to believe that it's right. So whether it's uh, the Bolsheviks uh, who had a revolution in the 20th century in Russia or the party led by uh, Adolf Hitler, uh, also in the 20th century or um, the bourgeois middle class in France during the French Revolution or our Republican or Democratic Party, uh, regardless of what party it is, we cannot say this is right solely based on the group that's in power. And we'll deal more with this issue as we go along in this episode. But uh, this is the view of might is right. Uh, we have the might. We have the power. So what we've passed, what we say uh, has to be right. And I'm saying that's not necessarily true. The way we determine what's right is we filter each assertion, each argument, each vote, each legislation through the lens of God's biblical mandate. One aspect of Christian ethics is when whenever man's law conflicts with God's law, you have to go with God's law as Christians. We can't fault the world for what they do because they're in the world. But as Christians, we have a higher mandate. And we can't 
uh, compromise our Christian ethics for the world is looking. The world is expecting a difference in those who's claimed to follow uh, the way who claim to follow the Christos who claim to follow the Messiah, the anointed one, those followers, those children have to be different. That's why we're uh, called to emanate light. We don't produce the light. God uses us as vessels to promote the light so that others may see his goodness. And then we are salty in the sense that we are preserving the mandates, the stipulations, the rules that Christ has given to us that others may know right from wrong. So might is right is the uh, worldly view of how uh, we assess whether an act is right or wrong. Then there are those uh, who claim that each society creates its own ethics. And that's part of uh, this concept called social evolution. And in social evolution, uh, what they're basically saying is that whatever is right or whatever is true in 2013, that is subject to change in 2014 based on the trend of the culture. So in other words, this is almost a relativist view of truth. Again, uh, this is a view that each society creates its own ethics or or e even culture. So they're saying um, um, if uh, taking a life is right in this culture, then that's OK. But as Christians, there are some things, uh, even though we respect culture, we respect the differences of culture. There are some things that the Bible plainly teach uh, transcend culture. It's always uh, wrong to take a life uh, or, or to murder. Uh, it's, it's always wrong to uh, steal. It's always wrong to be a liar. Uh, these things transcend culture. It transcends race. It transcends uh, political and financial status. So, no, we can't... Uh, let each society privatize their own ethics. Uh, it's similar to the early days where Christian missionaries would go to places like Papua New Guinea and they would encounter uh, individuals that were cannibals. Are we to say that uh, cannibalism is okay? No, we can't. We can't say that. Uh, uh, we can't say it is permissible. We can't say that the Bible condones that. So, again, this is a worldly view of ethics. Then you have the view that says man is the measure. Uh, this is uh, modern day humanism. Whereby man is the measure. In terms of the standard of why we should do the things that we do. I'm sure many of us have heard uh, other people make arguments and then they'll compare themselves to another person. Well, so-and-so did it, so it must be permissible. And unfortunately, I hear that in the church. Well, minister so-and-so did this, did that, so that, so then it, it must be permissible. No, not necessarily. We know what to do and what not to do, not based on another man. 
but based on scriptures. For man is fallible, but the scriptures uh, are infallible. Man uh, has flaws, but we should follow the perfect God man who is Jesus Christ. So I never use myself as a standard as a Christian. I always point people back to Christ for I may fail you, but Jesus will never fail you. So in this view, man is the measure. And what they argue is that each person's own will is the standard for what's right and wrong. And I've already argued why that's flawed. Then there are those uh, coupled with that that believe that the human race is the basis of right, meaning that mankind is the measure of all things. And again, that is a flawed argument because we're flawed. And if uh, if mankind who is finite is trying to deal with uh, a God who's infinite will always fall short. I can't compare myself to another human being because that human being is flawed. So then when are we supposed to find out what the truth is? If we're using an imperfect standard measurement, would you use a ruler that was flawed that didn't have the correct measurements? No. Would you use a measuring cup that had incorrect lines on it in order to bake your meal? No, you wouldn't do that. So if we want to uh, know clearly what's right and wrong, then we have to go to the one who deposited right and wrong, the one who created right and wrong. And we call him God and we call him Jehovah. We as Christians and we have identified him as the one who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come down to die for our sins, that we may know him more intimately and know right from wrong. Then there are those who say uh, right is what brings pleasure. Uh, these are individuals like the Epicureans in uh, uh, the book of Acts 17 uh, who uh, chased after only those things that brought pleasure. So if right is only what brings pleasure, then that's what we are thirsting after. Uh, uh, we're not thirsting after anything else. But some things are right, but they don't bring the pleasure that we expect. That's the problem with this view. Some things are right, but doesn't bring uh, the pleasure that we, we, we expect. So, for example, if you go to your doctor and your doctor prescribes you uh, a diet of exercise, it may not be bring pleasure to you, but it's the right thing for your body. So uh, not all things that bring pleasure are the ones that's right or are, are necessarily to be classified as right. There are those things that don't bring us pleasure. That's also right. Then there are those who say right is the greatest good for the greatest number of people. Uh, and that was uh, pr uh, proposed and argued and championed by uh, Jeremy Bentham of the 18th century. So if right is the greatest good for the greatest number, and that's where we are in America right now, depending on what political party is in office, as they're looking out for themselves and their colleagues and their aides and their interns, the American people are suffering, regardless of what party it is. Uh, uh, to me, the way that Congress uh, 
is is acting in modern times they're both the same uh two sides of the same coin i treat each political uh political argument political stance on its own so i take each case and i filter it by the word of god and if the party that you may align yourself with is proposing something that conflicts with god's law again you must go with god's law and not uh follow them just because you've always been following them so uh right cannot be uh, what is the greatest good for the greatest number of people? Now think about it. What about uh, during the time of slavery? Did the uh, Negroes have a right? Yes, they did. But if we follow this rule, it justifies slavery. What brought uh, good to the greatest number of people was having free labor. But yet that did not make slavery right. What about uh, the Nazi movement in Germany? Uh, during the 20th century uh, we we uh, many of us have read the book about Anne Frank and we uh, talk about uh, how brave she was and we talk about the plight of the Jews well what about the, the Jews what what rights did they have if we follow this banner of what is right is what's good for the greatest number of people then the Jews didn't have any say so it didn't bring pleasure to them. It didn't bring bring goodness to them. So we can't always uh, go with that view because it put too much burden on man having to do right on their own outside of God. Then uh, the last one that I want to touch on, it says good is what God wills. And that's ethical volunteerism. So basically, uh, this view blurs the line between good and evil. So if something evil happens to you, it's not Satan. Uh, they're basically saying that God willed or God endorsed the evil to happen. And that's a non-biblical worldview. So let us touch on uh, the Christian views of ethics. As a Christian, what should our stands be in terms of our conduct? As a Christian, how should we handle ourselves? Uh, what What is it that God requires of us? And I wish that every church would carve out time to teach their new members the Christian ethical view of life. So number one, Christian ethics is based on God's will. What God desires. That's what it's based on. It's not based on uh, your local church's will, but it's based on God's will as prescribed through scripture. Then Christian ethics is absolute, meaning that the uh, moral obligations flows from God's nature and they are absolute. So in other words, they are always binding upon uh, every man everywhere. God's moral character does not change then Christian ethics is based on God's revelation. So whether it's general as we find in Romans 1, 19 through 20 or special revelation, which is a revelation that only believers are privy to 
Christian ethics is based on God's revelation. What God has shown us by the aid of the Holy Spirit uh, in terms of what we ought to do and what we shouldn't do. That's what Christian ethics is about. Then since moral rightness is prescribed by a moral God, it is what we call prescriptive. Prescriptive meaning that uh, all Christians are obligated to follow it. Christians do not find their ethical duties in the standards of Christians, but in the standard for Christians. Let me repeat that. Christians, as Christians, we, we do not find our ethical duties in the standard of Christians, meaning that other, other believers, but we find it in the standard for Christians, which is the Bible. Christian ethics, lastly, is deontological, meaning that it is duty-centered. Uh, just like uh, those that serve in the army have a duty to Uncle Sam or the federal government, we as Christians must view ourselves in that manner, that we have a higher calling. Our actions uh, must be approved by headquarters, and the headquarters is heaven, uh, and, and it must be pleasing to God. So when before I act, I must look up, and I must look in the scriptures to make sure that I'm in alignment with the rules. So as Christians, uh, we don't have the liberty to work outside of God's rules and God's deontological standard. And by that term deontological, it means duty centered, meaning that we have a duty to God, not a, uh, not a duty to man first, but we have a duty to God first. And uh, because of our allegiance to God's laws and God's writ, we're then able to become better neighbors better husbands and wives, better employees, better citizens, uh, better uh, uh, witnesses. And we're able to bring uh, a light to a dark infested community. So Christian ethics is the core of who we are. So now let's look at the contrast between the teleological view, which means the earthly view versus the deontological view, which is the duty center view of Christianity. So uh, in the teleological view, it says that the result determines the rule. So, uh, for example, uh, there's a story about two elected officials in Pennsylvania who received cash for sending detained youth to detention centers. Now, these were two judges who received cash for sending undeserving youth, youth to these detention centers because they received a private kickback. So the detention centers got paid based on the amount of young people uh, that were entered into the facility. And these judges cut a deal with the administrators of these detention centers that uh, the more youth that these judges sentenced to their uh, facility, uh, they would get a percentage of it. And the judges actually signed off on it. And uh, as a result, many youth who should have been let go after their court appearance were sentenced to uh, these detention centers. And in some cases for years, all because uh, these judges wanted to get more money and follow this view of result determines the rule. The result was they wanted more money. And the rule was we're going to uh, send these innocent young people, these teenagers 
to your facility so that we may obtain our result, which is more money. Now, let's look at the Christian view, the deontological view. Now, the Christian view, instead of saying the result determines the rule, the Christian view is the rule determines the result, meaning that uh, the, uh, we have uh, rules that mean so much to us that it overrides the result. Many of us wouldn't mind being rich. Many of us wouldn't mind having more money in the bank. But as a Christian, there's the right way to go about uh, obtaining finances or getting more money. God has already prescribed the things we should do in terms of our financial stewardship. But our rule must determine the result. One example is that man should not receive worship. We find that uh, in the Old Testament, where the scripture tells us you should have no other gods before me. You should not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven or above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You should not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord, your God am a jealous God. Then we find a new Testament where Peter and the rest of the apostles had an opportunity for others to worship them, but they remembered the law that we should that man should not receive worship unlike many of uh, so-called religious leaders in contemporary history it is not our place as christians regardless of what position we have to allow people to reverence us or to worship us to uh, take what belongs to god and uh, uh, put it on us now in the bible we find uh repeated evidence that the apostles were keenly aware of this fact that whenever people give us praise, we shouldn't absorb this praise. We should reflect it, uh, contextualize it for what it is that all that we have is because of God. So in acts 10, 25 and 26, the rule is remember man should not receive worship. And then we read that as Peter entered the house, in Acts 10, 25 and 26, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. He said, stand up. He said, I am only a man myself. Peter understood that his Christian ethics demanded that he follow the rules of the scriptures and not do what's expedient or convenient for him. So whenever we face with a moral dilemma, remember that we must go with God's law versus man's law. I pray that this episode has been a blessing to you. I pray that uh, we've gotten a little insight of Christian ethics. It is my prayer that you go back home and let others know that you belong to a Christ. Let other people see the difference in your lifestyle. And we will continue uh, on the next episode this whole topic of Christian ethics. Be blessed. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. 
Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Hear about how Steve Harvey surprised a dying man on Family Feud with $25,000. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hardworking pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the Story Behind podcast, visit lifeaudio.com or search Story Behind on your favorite podcast platform.